This is Daryl Wood, host of Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show on Faith Talk 1500. First, let me say this show is your show. That's why no matter what I discuss or which guests I interview, your input is valued. If it's in the news, on TV, or at the movies, whether political, social, economic, or whatever, at some point I'm talking about it on Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show, Monday through Thursday from 4 to 6 p.m. on Faith Talk 1500. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Hey, wait a minute. What's the name of your church? Real Life Christian Church. Real life. Get real with another edition of Think About It. Real life messages from Pastor Dennis Rasper from Real Life Christian Church. And now, let's listen to the message from Pastor Rasper. And this is part two in a series I simply call The Cross. Now this week, each of the four Gospels records Jesus' ride into Jerusalem. And over the centuries, churches have come to call this his Palm Sunday Ride. Why his Palm Sunday Ride? Because in John chapter 12, verse 13, we read that the people cut palm branches. They were palm branches. That's John 12, 13. And they waved those palm branches. And here's what you got to know. These were not the locals. We'll get to this later. These were not the local people inside Jerusalem. These were the tourists. These were the, 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 the outsiders, you might say. And they waved their palm branches and they yelled, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And by the time you get to Matthew chapter 21, which records... Jesus' ride of his life, you might say. The hate against Jesus is reaching its pitch, and now the religious leaders are ready to nail him, literally. And in Matthew chapter 21, verse 1, we read this. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and you'll find this donkey. The most important word in that whole passage, as I see it, and a lot of others do too, is the word sent. Jesus sent his disciples, and he said, go into the village ahead of you, get this donkey, it's all prearranged. Folks, this is his death ride. He would ride into Jerusalem on a donkey, and five days later, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, he would be on the cross, but nobody dragged him to Jerusalem. That's the big deal here. Nobody schmoozed him and said, oh, come on, Jesus. Where'd you ever get this idea we don't like you? Come to Jerusalem, man. Let's be friends. He set the whole deal up. He prearranged the whole thing. It's Jesus who said the time has come. Jesus said the time is now. See, Passover was coming. The culmination of the Jewish Passover would happen on Friday when the high priest would take a lamb, an unblemished lamb. He'd lay that lamb on the altar of sacrifice and he would plunge a knife into that lamb. That's on the Friday before the Passover day, on Saturday. And it was God the Father in heaven's plan that at the moment, at the very split second, that the high priest plunged that knife into the Passover lamb. At that split second, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, would breathe his last and say, it is finished. And Jesus knew that plan. And it would happen exactly according to that plan. That priest plunges the knife, he breathes his last and cries, or he he cries, it is finished, and he breathes his last. And so Jesus knew the plan, and he put this thing into effect, 
He said, go get this donkey. Let's get this deal rolling. All it's saying is his death on the cross, folks, is not forced. Nobody's behind him pushing him to that cross. I mean, his death would be a free will offering of himself for the sins of anybody who would believe in him. I'll stop here for a minute. Maybe you remember the movie, Passion of the Christ. And whoever wrote that did a great job with it because they showed Satan right there in the garden with Jesus. And he was kind of, I don't know if you remember that movie, but he's kind of a, a malevolent being in a hood with beady eyes, glowing beady eyes and all that stuff. And it showed Satan kind of talking to Jesus. And I know this isn't in the word of God, but that's how I've always pictured Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, see? Satan kind of talking to him, saying stuff like this. Just think, you, the Holy One, will bear inside of you all that despicable, horrible sin. And your Father, Son of God, will have to hide his face from you and pour down all his holy anger against you. This father you love so much and this father loves you. Can you bear that, son of God? Look over there. Look at all those thorn bushes. See, see, those, see those thorns? You're going to dig those into your head. You don't like that, son of God? And you ever think about the whips, those little leather patches on the end? They're little bits of bone, little bits of metal. They're going to tear your back apart. Ever think about that, son of God? And how do you think it's going to feel when they yank your crossbar up and it pulls on your wrists so they can attach you to that vertical bar sunk in the ground? You don't like that, son of God? And Jesus prayed, sweat blood. I mean, his prayer was so intense. And he said, Father, if there's another way to save these people from sin, please do it. But then he said, if that's not in your plan, let it be done as you will. He was totally surrendered to the Father's will. There was absolutely nothing forced or coerced. And this is where, that boy, that's where I see the love of Jesus Christ more than anything. When I think he could have got out of this, I look at verse 53 of Matthew 26. He says, don't you think, he says to Peter, who, who drew his sword to defend him, he said, don't you think I cannot call on my Father that he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels. See, he could have got out of this, but he didn't. didn't do that. He went through it, and he asked the Father to give him what he needed. See, he was a willing sacrifice. He sent his disciples to get the donkey ready so he could ride the ride of his life, his death ride into Jerusalem. And that comes home to me because I think about all the people put their plans and their life on hold to somehow bless me and bless this church. And that moves me. That really moves me. Those are precious people. Then I think how when I, I don't want to do something, man, it shows. Oh, sure, sure, I'll do it. I'll get to it after I do this and this and this. So you don't really want to do something that shows. You want to do it. You can't hide it, man. People will know. And the message we send then is, you're not all that important. You're just not all that important. There's more important things going on than you. And see, what well, I tell you, we, we really make people feel special and important when we say yes, and we are willing to forget ourselves for their sake. Do you ever pray for a willing heart? Or your husband, your wife, your kids, or anybody needs something, just to forget yourself and become absorbed in them. You know, I have prayed this prayer I said, Lord, make me like this. this is, I have prayed this prayer so many times. I want to be just like Matthew 25, 
And let me read this to you. Matthew 25, 35. This is where I want to be. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me and I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you let and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or when did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or when did we see you sick and in prison and go visit you? And the king will reply, tell you the truth, whatever you've done to one of these, the least of these, my brothers, you've done it unto me. And what touches me about that is, is all this stuff flowed naturally out of these people. They didn't have to be coerced. It flowed naturally out of them. And I say to the Lord, I've prayed this many times. I said, Lord, get me there. I want to be like that. When I have to ask, when did I see this? When did I see this person need? When did I see you sick? When did I see you? hungry. When did I see an opportunity to serve you? I don't even think about it. It just flows out of me. I want to be that willing. Jesus gave a willing sacrifice of his life. It makes so much difference when you don't have to be coerced or laid in a guilt trip, when you are so willing. Anyway, Jesus had this deal all set up. Back in Matthew chapter 21, in verse 2, he said to his disciples, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you'll find a donkey tied there with her colt. Untie them and bring them to me, and if anyone says anything to you, tell them the Lord needs them, and he'll send them right away. In other words, the whole thing was set up. And this took place to fulfill what the prophet had spoken. The prophet Zechariah, verse 5, Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the full of a donkey. And that's very interesting, too, because Jesus rode that donkey because he was so, I mean, he was so painfully aware of fulfilling every prophecy in the Old Testament about him. Every prophecy. See, the people of Israel always thought their Messiah would come on a gallant white horse with lightning bolts in his hands and destroy all evil and set up this perfect world. And the prophet Zechariah burst their bubble. He said, say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you gentle not angry with lightning bolts, but gentle and riding, not on a white horse, but on a donkey, a pack animal, a work animal. I mean, what's more undignified than a donkey, see? And this is another message, but there's a point here, man. And the point is the road to glory is humility and being a servant. So the disciples get the donkey. Everything happens just like Jesus said. They bring the donkey and her colt, and Jesus rode the colt, and here's what happened. Verse 8, Matthew 21. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut their branches, their palm branches, John 12, 13, from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred, and they asked, who is this? Now, there is a big point here. There is a great big point here about being positive or negative or hopeful or defeated. These people outside Jerusalem, this was not in Jerusalem. These people lined the streets for miles all the way into Jerusalem. And they started yelling. Psalm 118, verse 26. Hosanna to the son of David. And when they said Hosanna to the son of David, they believed that Jesus was the Messiah. That was a messianic name for the Messiah. They said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Psalm 118 verse 26. And you will hear people teach that these same people are so fickle. You're going to hear sermons about this. These people are so fickle. 
You know, one day they're crying Hosanna, and five days later they're crying crucify him. Folks, that's wrong. It wasn't the same people. It's not true. I mean, these people who are yelling their Hosannas, they're the tourists. They came from all points of the then known world, and they came for the annual celebration of the Passover. They're going to be there for three or four days, and then they're out of there. And all the, you know, a lot of these people came to see Jesus. They came to see Jesus. They had heard about Jesus. They knew his wonderful works. He fit the description of the Messiah in the Old Testament. And these outsiders, these tourists, they said, he's the one. He's the Savior. But they were the tourists. They're not the same guys who yelled, crucify him. So who did yell, crucify him? See, that was the locals. That's the lo- The guys who hung out in the bars. And they listened to the Pharisees, and they listened to the chief priests, because the Pharisees and the chief priests had been telling these local guys for a long time, this Jesus is a phony, man. He's not the Messiah. He's playing you for a fool. By, say, by saying he's the Savior, he's blaspheming God. Then Pilate brings Jesus out in a purple robe, crown of thorns on his head, and you get all the locals down there. And he says, here is your king, and the chief priest and Pharisees, that's your king? Come on, is that really your king? You, you, you think that dude is your king? Come on. I mean, he's deceiving you. Crucify the guy. And they've been telling him that for years. So all the people yell, Crucify him, crucify him. Let me read it to you. Matthew 27, 22. I mean, Pilate's distressed. What, what, what then shall I do? do? Do with Jesus, who is called Christ. And they all answered, crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed, Pilate asked. But they all shouted all the louder, crucify him. And then this in verse 25, and all the people answered, let his blood be on us and our kids, our children. But what's the point? The tourists who came for Passover, who were there only a short time, didn't hang out with the chief priests and Pharisees and all those religious guys. These guys, these tourists really believed. I mean, they, they said, Hosanna to the son of David, man. That's a messianic name. That, 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 Hosanna to the son of David. And, and these guys really had hope. I mean, this was really the deliverer. And those locals who listened to the chief priest and Pharisees, they cried, crucify him, and they had no hope. That's the difference, hope versus no hope. It all depends on who you're listening to, see? So much of how we think and what comes out of our mouth depends on the people you hang out with and the people you listen to. And this really should make us evaluate our relationships. Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, God works for good. We know this, and yet we're so negative. We know, do you really know that in all things, God works for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose? What then shall we say, verse 31, Romans 8, in response to this, if God's for us, who can be against us? Listen to this, people out of work right now. Listen to this. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up, made the ultimate sacrifice for us all, will he not also with him graciously give us all other things? And then verse 38, for I am convinced, Paul says, I am convinced, man, that neither death, knife, angels, demons, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. See what and who you choose to listen to it's going to affect your attitude. We're going to assimilate all that stuff. I mean, if you work with people like that, I mean, who are so negative, 
and, and you spend time, a lot of time with people like that, man, you just better find some relationships with Christian people who know that Christ reigns on the throne and they're positive about life and they know the condition of the world doesn't surprise Jesus Christ. Listen, choose wisely who you listen to. It will shape your thinking. Choose wisely where you'll go, who you're going to be with. Study the promises of God. Man, in this world, you've got to study those promises. They're going to pick you up. They're going to encourage you. Wasn't the same people who yelled Hosanna, who yelled crucify him. People who yelled crucified him and all that negative garbage going into their mind. And, and you got to stay away from people like that, I'll tell you. Listen, if you're hopeful, you will give hope. If you're hopeless, you will rob people of hope. Now, what strikes me about this, this is maybe the number one application of his ride into Jerusalem, the ride of his life. He faced life. Jesus Christ rode into Jerusalem knowing he was riding to his death. He didn't downplay it. He didn't moan about it. He didn't pretend this isn't really happening. He faced everything he was riding into trusting his father. He faced the problem of sin in, in all its horror. As he took the ride of his life, he knew that the battle with sin, Satan, death, and hell was about to reach its most intense, intense point. He knew he would be in kind of a hell, not the literal hell, but he knew he would be in kind of a hell, separated for a time from his father as he hung on the cross and received the punishment for our sins. He knew he would suffer physically, and he didn't minimize this. That's the deal. He, he didn't minimize any of this. He faced it. He rode into it. The battle would rage, and he rode into it. you got to think about what he bore as he was hanging on that cross, man. I'm looking at Galatians 3, 13. He bore the curse. Let me just read this to you. Galatians 3, 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, listen now, by becoming a curse for us. He became a curse hanging on that cross. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So what's the curse? The curse that Jesus bore, get this, is the whole downward spiral of man that ends in death. It is all the filth and all the garbage that sin brought into the world. One more time, Jesus Christ bore in himself all the filthy garbage that sin brought into the world. And he sits on that donkey outside Jerusalem. Can you see them on that donkey? What are people doing? They're cutting their palm branches. They're getting ready to wave their palm branches, sing their hosannas. He's sitting on that donkey, and he's thinking about what he's going to ride into. And finally, he said, giddy up. Let's go. He faced this whole deal, man. He faced it. See, we have options. Something difficult happens. And we can downplay it, we can minimize it, and we can hope it'll go away, not think about it. We call that sweeping it under the rug. Um, we can tell yourself, we can tell ourselves this isn't real, or you can do what Jesus did and you can ride into it, you can face it, you can deal with it. And so maybe right now what we need to do, and I did this when I was writing this deal, um, right now what maybe we need to do is think of a situation or situations in your life that you're simply not dealing with, and they're not going away. And you think and they're you think and they are. And you gotta deal with them. See, you need to write the message here. I can't. I mean, like for instance, there's people you need to approach. You need to deal with them. I mean, there's some sensitive issues that you need to deal with. Oh, it'll go away. You know? Just give it time. Maybe you have someone you dearly love who believes, or just be sincere. 
just believe in something. All religions go to heavens. There's no hell. Just be sincere. And you tell yourself, oh, you know, they prayed with me five years ago. They're going to heaven. Listen, why don't you face the situation for what it is? Why don't you tell yourself they're not going to heaven? They're not saved. Wouldn't you like to know that you told that person that Christ alone, Jesus Christ alone is the way to heaven, and know in your heart, even though they, because you face the issue, even though at the moment they reject what you said, they get upset with you, but at the same time, wouldn't it be great to know that God the Holy Spirit is using their words? And that the Spirit of God is making them uncomfortable with those words. They're rolling around in their mind. You got them thinking. I mean, there's a host of things we could go into, folks. A host of things we could talk about. This about you. What do you need to deal with? Face it. Go through it. Jesus slammed the donkey on us behind us and said, Giddy up. He went through it. And he came out the other end of the winter, man. He rose from the dead. He went back to heaven. He reigns over his creation. He faced sin, death, Satan, hell, and conquered them all. And he won salvation for every one of us who believe. But before he could ever do that, he had to face this stuff. At some point in your life, you know, in my life too, we're going to have to slap the donkey's butt. You're going to have to say, giddy up, deal with it, and ride into it. So it's not on your mind anymore. You're all, I mean, man, you're almost in bondage to this stuff. It's on your mind. Why not face it and get rid of it and have life go on? Now, how do you do that? I'll look at Psalm 56. And I think to myself how people prayed the Psalms. In New Testament times, they would pray the Psalms exactly as they were written. And I thought to myself, man, when you, that, that, that is so powerful. When you pray not only the Psalms, but all of Scripture back to God. Oh, does God love that? When you pray, I mean, you're praying in his will, man. When you find something and say, hey, this applies to someone I know or something going on in my life, and you pray that back to God, man, that is so powerful. And I can see Jesus sitting on that donkey outside Jerusalem, about to face all that stuff, and he's praying Psalm 56. Listen to what David wrote. Um, that's a psalm written by David, who killed Goliath. One day he would be king over Israel, but for 10 years he had to run from the present king, Saul. When you deal with what is, when you know you have to face something, first rule is, man, you bring it to the Lord in prayer, and that's what David did. Be merciful to me, O God, verse 1, Psalm 56. Be merciful to me, O God, for, the, for, for men hotly pursue me, and all day long they press their attack. My slanderers pursue me all day long. Many are attacking me in their pride. And then jump down to verse 5. All day long they twist my words. Yeah, I can see Jesus praying this. They're always plotting to harm me. They conspire, they lurk, they watch my steps. Isn't that Jesus? Eager to take my life, see? He's dealing with this thing in prayer now. Here, this is what you got to know. Step one in facing these issues, man, is David is ruthlessly honest here. You know what he's saying? He's saying, this is happening, Lord. They're watching me. They lurk. He's dealing with the issue. He's saying, this isn't going away. That's how you got to face it. That's how you got to start. Just God's word. This is how you face life. Next step. 
This is good. This is so precious. Verse 3. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? Now, if I were you, if I were you, as you face, the, as you face life, I, I, I would take that verse, then verse 10 and 11, and I, I would just say those words and repeat those words out loud, out loud. I would do it over and over and over and over again. You vow to God, I will not be afraid. I will face this. I'm your child. What can man do to me? My salvation is secure in Christ. And you think to yourself, you know, take the worst case scenario. What's the worst thing that could happen to you? The very worst thing. You could die. But you know, you got to think like this. As a believer in Jesus Christ, someday you got to die to get the very best. And the worst thing that could possibly happen to you is you could die. I envy people who go to see Jesus. Now we're back to Romans 8. Who can separate us from the love of God and Jesus Christ? Anything on this earth, anything in heaven? No, death, no. And see, as you think like that, what happens? Confidence builds, hope builds, your whole attitude begins to change. And David repeats the same thing in verse 11. In God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can your man do to me? And God whose word I praise, and so on and so forth, man. Sometimes you just have to talk to yourself like that. And make those vows to God. I trust, I mean, say it to God. I trust in you, Lord. I will not be afraid. Think About It is sponsored by Real Life Christian Church. Real Life Christian Church meets in Endeavor Middle School, 22505 26 Mile Road, just west of North Avenue in Ray, Michigan. Sunday service starts at 10 a.m. Visit us on the web at rlcc.us. Never miss a single message from Pastor Rasper. Just go to faithtalk1500.com and download the Real Life Podcast. And until next week, may God's Word do a work in you. Real Life Christian Church. Get real.